Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. After last night, after that game last night, after Hell Week, top to bottom, there is only one place to start and one way to start the program on a Monday. Alvin, hit it. The autumn wind is a bleeping raider. And last night, it bleeped the Chargers up completely. Why don't we get right into it? Why don't we get right into it? And let's not recap that game. Let's not recap Sunday. Let's not hype the Raiders even for turning their season around after the John Gruden debacle. Let's get right into it. Did Brandon Staley cost his team a spot in the playoffs? Did that timeout with 38 seconds left cost the Chargers that playoff spot that they have spent the last three years trying to run down? Did the first-year head coach, who has already become one of the more polarizing head coaches in all football for his aggressiveness, just shoot himself in the foot and screw over his own team? Did arguably the most aggressive coach in football get so aggressive that he's now just reckless? All right now, before I answer that, let me remind you of the stakes. A Chargers win meant that they were going to the playoffs, and the Raiders were not. A Raiders win meant that they were going to the playoffs, and the Chargers were not. And, of course, a tie meant they were both going. So, when Justin Herbert led one of the most clutch drives you're ever going to see and tied that game on the final play, it meant we had the football equivalent of the prisoner's dilemma. The safest result for both teams was a tie. Win and you're in. Tie and you're in, but blow it and lose it and you're out. So both teams played that way in overtime. They both get field goals on their first drives. Then with 38 seconds left, the Raiders are looking at third and four. The Chargers, they have the ball in the Charger, 39. The clock is spinning until it wasn't spinning. Who could have ever dreamed of the scenario? Third and four, now what? Chargers take a timeout. Los Angeles takes its first timeout. This will be a 30-second timeout. Mm. What? I think the Raiders were playing to get it down to either a field goal or just let the clock run out, and the Chargers took the timeout. I'm trying to process this myself. Wow. I know. I know. That's really interesting. Let's not get into that just now. Interesting reaction right from Alan Chris. What? So the clock stops. The clock stops and Twitter immediately explodes. Brandon Staley just cost the Chargers the game. He broke an unwritten deal with the Raiders by calling that timeout, and now the Raiders are going to jam him. Twitter was losing its collective mind. The guy had just cost them the game and the playoffs, and if they needed any further proof, and if Charger fans needed any further salt in their wound, check out what Derek Carr had to say right after the game. You guys are still tied. You're driving. This thing could have ended in a tie. Chargers call a timeout. How did that shift the strategy? Yeah, it definitely did, obviously. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. At that point, show me your lightning bolt. 
I want to hear from a Charger fan. Chula Vista, El Cajon, El Segundo, Torrance, Reaction, Otay Mesa, Pacific Beach, Ocean Beach, Tijuana Beach, all the beaches. Did your head coach just cost you a spot in the playoffs? Should he be fired on the spot? How did he make it off the field even? I mean, because sure enough, right after that timeout, this happened. Third and four. What is it? Jones goes in motion. Jacobs. And he's going to take it to the 29, and now they're going to be set up for a field goal attempt by Carlson. No sense taking a timeout if you're the Chargers here because it doesn't matter. Yeah, because that's what you want to see. Daniel Carlson walking onto the field with a chance to win the game. So... This from Daniel Carlson with the Chargers and the Steelers and all these playoff spots hanging in the balance. This dude lines it up. Here comes the snap. Ball down. Kick is on the way. It is good. And the Raiders win. The Raiders have won the game. Las Vegas 35. The Los Angeles Chargers 32. The Raiders are going to the playoffs. For the first time since 2016, the Raiders are in the postseason. Take a deep breath, Pittsburgh. You're in the postseason. So what the man is trying to say is, Raiders rule. Chargers suck. Good night now. What an absolutely brutal way for LA season to end. I mean, that's a franchise that's got a freaky history of being able to find ways to lose in heartbreaking, gutting fashion. Being a Charger fan means that you're used to your team inventing new ways to lose close games. That's just how it is. It could be a freaky play. It could be a dumb penalty. And man, were there plenty of those last night. It could be a coaching mistake, and it happened again. Except it didn't. Except it didn't. Brandon Staley did not cost his team that win with that timeout. He didn't. That's a fact. That's not where they lost that game. But I'll tell you where they did. I'll tell you exactly where they lost that game. I'll tell you exactly where they lost that game. It was right in front of everybody, and for some reason, most of y'all are ignoring it. Here is where they lost that game. Third and four. What is it? Jones goes in motion. Jacobs. And he's going to take it to the 29, and now they're going to be set up for a field goal attempt by Carlson. No sense taking a timeout if you're the Chargers here because it doesn't matter. That's where they lost the game. When Josh Jacobs ripped through them for a 10-yard run on third down. Third down with the season on the line, and you get gashed for 10 yards. That's where they lost it. A play where everybody knew it was going to be a run. Everybody knew who was going to run it, and the guy still gets 10 yards. That's where they lost the game. That cannot happen. Even worse, on second and 11, he had a seven-yard run. Two straight plays where everybody on the planet knew the Raiders were going to run the ball, and they still get 17 yards. With the season on the line, the run defense failed. Like, it's that simple. That's not analytics. That's not game theory. That's not crazy strategy. It's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite of metrics and analytics. It's old school. It's 11 on 11. You know what's coming, and you still can't stop it. 
Two straight plays of Raiders rule. Chargers suck. Good night now. Good night now. So it was not the timeout that cost them the game. It was the run defense that cost them the game, among many other things, but especially the run defense. It's not that he called timeout. It's that the defense could not make a play when it absolutely had to. Not only did everybody know it was going to be a run on third down, that's the reason Staley called timeout in the first place. Yeah, we needed to get into the right grouping. We felt like they were going to run the ball, so we wanted to get our best 11 personnel run defense in, um, make that substitution so that we could you know, get a play where we would deepen the field goal. Yeah, well, that didn't happen, did it? Not only did they not deepen the field goal, they shortened it by 10 yards. That ended up being a 47-yard field goal. If that's still a 57-yard field goal, obviously that's a much tougher kick. So tough that maybe the Raiders do think twice about kicking it. Because at that point, from 57 yards out, a block and a return means that they're out of the playoffs. The Raiders might have actually taken a knee if it was still a 57-yard kick. And if L.A. had gotten a tackle for a loss on that play, the chances of that knee got even higher. Also, let's be clear about this. I know it's a lot more fun, and it's a lot more convenient, and there's a lot more lava involved in pointing at that one guy in that timeout, but the Raiders were always going to kick that field goal. As much as it would have been cool to see them knee it out, and even I tweeted it in jest, but as long as they were going to be in reasonable field goal range, they were going to kick it. This is why they were in a shotgun on third and four before the Chargers called timeout. You don't go into the shotgun to take a knee. Nobody does that because they weren't looking to take a knee in that spot. Again, yes, and here's another reason why they weren't, but yes, taking a knee would guarantee them a playoff spot. But making the playoffs with a tie and making it with a win were two extremely different things for the Raiders. If you tie, you face Kansas City the team that beat the hell out of them twice this year by a combined score of 89-23. They didn't want any of that. However, if you win, you get the Bengals. And yes, I know the Bengals put it on the Raiders back in November, but that was a one-score game until the Raiders imploded with two turnovers in the final five minutes of that game. What I'm saying is this. If you're the Raiders and you've got a chance to play Cincinnati, you're going to take that chance. You would much rather deal with and take a chance against Cincinnati than you would KC. So they were going to do that before the timeout, and they were going to do that after the timeout. They didn't want to play KC. The timeout didn't change that. And before you freak out and kill Staley because of Carr's answer after the game, Carr did say, yes, that changed things. But then check out the entirety of Derek Carr's answer. Chargers call a timeout. How did that shift the strategy? Yeah, it definitely did, obviously. Uh, but we, we we knew no matter what, we didn't want to tie. We wanted to win the football game. Obviously, if you tie, you're in and all, I think all those things. But my mindset all day, I even was texting with Aaron Rodgers this morning. Uh, this morning. Yeah, my mindset was to make sure that we were the only team moving on after this. Two reasons, right? Much better to go in the postseason with a win, a big win, instead of a tie. And even more importantly, much more important to go into the postseason and not have to deal with Kansas City. Nothing against Cincinnati. All right, I'm sure they'll hear that and they'll use that. But still, as much as I respect Cincinnati and I respect the hell out of them, I'd much rather deal with them than Kansas City if I'm the Raiders. So, if you want to kill Staley 
for being crazy aggressive on fourth down earlier in the game or for having some strange personnel on the field after that timeout. You go right ahead. I'm not going to talk you off that point. In fact, even though I know Staley is about that life, I don't know what the hell he was thinking going for it on fourth down from his 18. And he probably should rethink going for it on virtually every fourth down. For instance, is it about putting your team in position to win or is it about being right? It's a young coach. He's figuring it out. I still believe in the guy. But the timeout at the end of the game did not cost them the game. Their run defense did. When they absolutely had to make a play with a playoff berth hanging in the balance, they just couldn't do it, and the Raiders punched them in the face twice. And Charger fans are going to have to live with that for the next eight months, while Raider fans are partying their asses off and heading back to the playoffs with a chance to shock the world and go on a run. Oh, one more thing. Instead of focusing exclusively on that timeout, maybe we talk for a minute or an hour about how they didn't do a damn thing to get Storm Norton a little help in blocking on that monster that's Max Crosby. Maybe a little help? Maybe even a chip or two on this dude? Like what I'm saying is the Chargers lost that game for a lot of reasons. But that timeout isn't it. And by the way, while we're at it, Why don't we just tip our hat to the Raiders because they bleeping earned it. How about that one Steeler fan in the crowd? Man, you know he's joining in on that party. You know that one Steeler fan that kept showing? That guy was mother bleeping both teams to the very end. You know, we all have our bad beat stories in Vegas. That guy would have had a classic one. And then even on the broadcast, you could see Justin Herbert on the sideline say, quote, I've never wanted a tie so bad in my life. To not have this guy in the playoffs is criminal. Isn't it amazing what that guy had to overcome? All the things that Justin Herbert had to overcome yesterday alone to have his team in position, man. This guy played his guts out. Played his guts out. I thought that I'd seen it all. I thought that there couldn't be any more unique and painful way for Charger fan to get their heart ripped out of their chest. So where do you slot that one, Charger fan? Where do you rank that one? Got to be right near the top of the list, if not the entire list. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef very seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Who wants dried Tough beef in a bag. Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. For those of you who like to take things up a notch, next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? Jordan Poyer is my guest. Jordan, great to have you back. How are you? I'm good, Jim. I appreciate you for having me on, as always. I really appreciate you doing it, as always. So let me ask you, I know you and the team have got some enormous goals for the season, but how does it feel to wake up this morning as AFC Eastern champs for a second straight year? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty special. Uh, You know, obviously... 
uh, with everything you know that Buffalo's gone through the last 20, 30 years uh, to be able to bring it back to back, back back to back AFC East uh, champions, at, especially to do it at home, it's awesome. Uh, but you know, obviously, job's not finished. I think you just said it. You know, New England coming back to the house uh, playoff game on Saturday night. I mean, <laughs> what else do you want? You know, um, just going to be an amazing atmosphere, and you know, what a great opportunity for us. Nothing better. Nothing better. In fact, Jordan, you hit on a few things I was going to ask you about, but let me just kind of circle back really quickly. The team had not won a division title at home since 1995. I mean, that's a crazy long time. That means there are season ticket holders who have been with the team for a quarter century who have never seen that happen. So what did it feel like and what did it mean to be able to win that division at home in front of your fans because it had been so long? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I was I was four years old at the time. The last time they did it, so um, it was it was pretty surreal, you know. Honestly, and I couldn't really put it into words at the time. You know, just the just the feeling, the atmosphere when the clock hit zero. Um, you could see you could see the fans hugging, people crying. Um, you know, I did a lap around the a lap around the stadium at the end just to show appreciation, man. I mean, not all these fans been through a lot, so it was cool to to bring it back home um, and to do it at home. Like I said, it's hard to put in words you know the feeling what it felt like but you know, the job's not finished yet like I said you know it's a quick turnaround you know got to enjoy it for a good 12 hours or so but you know uh got to get ready for for a big one this weekend Jordan Poirier joining us huge one this weekend now you said after the game quote we bounced back from losses and tough losses where everybody counted us out everybody said that our defense couldn't do this couldn't do that the offense couldn't do this couldn't do that end of quote I'm kind of curious, like, what were those points like in the season for you and for the rest of the team? Was there ever any worry that the season might slip away? No, I mean, we, uh, we've been here for five years. A lot of guys, uh, you know, like the core guys that have been here for four or five years, um, kind of built this thing. And, and, and Sean and, and, and Bean and, and the Pagulas have done a great job of bringing the right guys in, you know, the guys that be able to handle adversity because – you know, throughout a season, I think we've talked about this before. Um, throughout a season, throughout games, you know, there's going to be adversity. There's going to be ups and downs. Uh, and you know, the the ones that are the teams that are able to handle that adversity, to handle those ups and downs in the right right fashion. You know, those are usually ones that are, that are standing at the end. And so, um, every team goes through it. Um, and we got the right guys in the building to be able to handle and block out the outside noise. And you know, obviously, you hear it. You know, you hear it. Um, you know, guys obviously on social media all the time, you hear it, you know, defense can't stop the run, defense can't do this, can't do that. But, you know, we, we, were, we easily blocked the noise out and understood what we had to do, what we had to accomplish in order to, you know, to continue to strive for our goals. Um, and, and, you know, it's, uh, that's just what it's been all, all, really all, all five years that we've been in Buffalo, in particular this year. Jordan Poyer joining us. In other words, it's a group that's built for it. It's a group that's got a lot of character and a lot of grit in that locker room. You know, Jordan, when you make the point that we block it all out, I accept that. I believe that. How much of that, though, do you block out? And then maybe how much of that do you convert into fuel and use that? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of cliche. Um, but at the same time, is that's exactly what it is. I mean, me, you know, being who I am, I, I've I feel like I've been overlooked my whole entire life, and so I obviously use that that fuel, that fire, um, in my preparation throughout the week, um, in my motivation throughout the week. To you know, in those long days, in the days where you know maybe I don't feel like getting up, or maybe maybe I don't feel like doing this or doing that. You know, that those little those little niches, those little um, you know, uh, those, those those can motivate you, and, and you know, especially you know as a defense, as a team, um, when we hear you know 
you know, this 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 team can't do this, this team can't do that. You know, that that motivates you. Whether you know people want to say it's it's corny or whatever, um, you know, that that does drive you, that does fuel you, and that does want to you know you know <laughs> prove people wrong. And I, I think that's just what we've been doing. Um, we've been building that culture here in Buffalo. Um, you know, and like you said, people counting us out early in the season, but we just came to work, put our heads down and worked and understood what we had to do, understand how, that, that we need to execute um, and just stuck together as a team, as a unit, and that's what we've been doing. Jordan Poyer back on the program. You know, I'm curious, you and Micah Hyde typically speak to the media after games, but after yesterday's game, you brought the rest of the DBs in with you, including the jersey of Tredavious White. Why was that something that you wanted to make sure you did yesterday? Yeah, because he's just as much of a part of this as anything. You know, we always, you know, I, I say it all the time in the media. It's, you can't replace a guy like Tre'Davious White. Um, you know, just a, a great player for us, um, great teammate, and he's a great friend. Um, he's in the locker room still, getting treatment and stuff. But obviously, wasn't be wasn't there to um, celebrate with us yesterday after the game. Um, you know, we just wanted to bring out all the guys and show. You know, they, our, our group is a really group close, uh, really close group of guys. You know, a lot of us have been together for. Uh, three, four, five years now, and that's you know not many guys in college are even together that long. So it's a pretty special um, group that we've built, and you know we just wanted to show that coming out there uh, uh, yesterday after the game. Let me take a moment and talk to you about WinBet, the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sportsbook and digital casino app. Whether you're betting NFL wildcard weekend, college basketball, or both, because why not? WinBet's got you covered. Are you looking for other sports? WinBet has those as well. It's all right there for your WinBet app. And WinBet is also fully integrated with Win Rewards. That means by playing WinBet, you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at Win Resorts. Discounted hotel stays, priority dining and entertainment, free merch. It really is the best loyalty program in the industry. Call it a win-win. Whether playing from your phone or your computer, you've absolutely got to sign up for WinBet ASAP. Bet with the best. Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Jordan, the defense finished the season as the number one scoring defense in the league for the first time in team history. You're also the number one defense in yards allowed. Does it feel like this group is peaking at just the right time? Yeah, you know, and you know, I think I think our team is peaking at the right time. Obviously, we got to continue to put the work in, but you know, just continue to stay confident in what we do, um, trusting our trusting our skills, trusting our instincts, trusting our coaching, and um, trusting our training, and just going out there and play. Um, and, and you know, I think that's what we've been able to do these past four weeks is just being able to go out there and just play free, um, not worry about the result. And, uh, you know, we just want to continue to do that. Jordan, I understand that you're team first, but as you point out, you feel like you've been overlooked your entire life. I mean, I can't believe we're still having this conversation, but you were a Pro Bowl snub yet again this year. How much does this bother you? Uh, you know, I wouldn't say it bothers me. Um, I think the people know – People who know football know, and you know, um, yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard question, Jim. You know, because I don't want to say it bothers me, but it does, it does. You know, it it, it pisses me off a little bit. I, I guess, yeah. You know, I, you work hard at your craft, you work hard at what you do. Um, you know, and, and 
you know, you obviously want to be recognized, but at the end of the day, you know, things will play out the way they play out. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not crazy worried about it, but, you know, it does piss me off and, and it, it fuels me a little bit and wants me to, you know, continue to prove people wrong like I always have. Yeah, I got no problem with that, Jordan. It pisses me off. It bothers me and I'm me. It should bother you. It bothers me. It should bother you. I, I get yeah. that. I understand that. Listen, Nat, you've been through this a few times now, but for everybody listening, and it seems like it's so self-evident and so cliche, but just how different is the intensity of a playoff game versus a regular season game? What's that feel like? How different is that? Yeah, I mean, it's, that's hard to explain. You know, it's just a whole different atmosphere, a whole different sense of urgency, um, and a whole different mindset, you know. Um it's it's really it, I, it's hard to explain, Jim, unless you're really in it, you know. Um, you know, regular season games are one thing. Um, you know, you used to talk about preseason games. Even preseason games going into regular season games is is on a different level. But then, you know, regular season games going into the playoffs is a whole whole different level. You know, everybody's obviously everybody's game is notched up a little bit. Um, you know, game plans are are, are really tight, and so um, you know, you just want to be able to come out and execute. Uh, execute the game plan to your best ability, and, and when the opportunities are there, you got to make the plays. Um, and especially this time of year, it's going to come down to tackling, being able to tackle um, out in open space, um, especially in the cold weather. So it, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. You know, it's a uh, it, Buffalo at home at night. You know, you really can't beat it. Uh, these people are going to be out here crazy. Um, they're going to be tailgating. Probably the priority out there tailgating right now. Um, I'm leaving the facility right now, so I can see some RVs probably still staying out there. So um, it's going to be fun. You know, we're excited about it. Absolutely incredible. I mean, you did answer the question, but I was going to say, I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. A Saturday night home playoff game against the Patriots. You talked about the atmosphere, but if I were to just kind of follow up on that, what are you expecting from the Bills Mafia on Saturday night? How intense is that atmosphere going to be? Yeah, it's going to be just absolutely electric. Um like I said, I'm sure these fans are already out here tailgating and are parking their RVs already. Um, you know, I got I got family. You know, everybody's coming out from. You know, everybody's family's coming out. So it's going to be a pretty pretty electric atmosphere. Um, it's going to be one of the cold, you know, wet nights. Uh, so you know, Bills Mafia is going to be out there. We need you if you're listening. We need you to be loud, man, because it's going to. You know, we know you are, but we need you. Well, you know they're showing up for it. You know they'll be ready. One last thought. Like, you're going to face the Patriots on Saturday. They got you in your place. You got them in their place. Like, Jordan, how much do those two games mean as you get ready for this one? Uh, to be honest, I mean, I, I don't think they mean absolutely anything. Right. Um, you know, it's a whole different ball game. You know what I mean? This is, um, I, I don't think those two games mean anything. Uh, we're going we're gonna to see a different, you know, I don't want to say we're going to see a different, you know, Patriots team, but we're going to see a different mindset from them. They're going to see a different mindset from us, and so it's going to be one of them classic, you know, legendary, you know, football games that that are going to go down in the books. So, um, you know, we're, we're excited about it, man. It's uh, what a great opportunity for for this uh, for this community for our team. Um, you know, like you said, Bills versus Patriots Saturday night, eight fifteen in Buffalo, New York. It's going to be snowy. It's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. <laughs> Okay, what else do you want to ask for? You know, it's just, that's that's it's all that's all you want in a football game. I'll say it again, nothing better, nothing better than that. New England at Buffalo Saturday, eight fifteen p.m. Eastern on CBS. Jordan, I appreciate you so much. I understand that that was a huge game right there. You allowed yourself maybe twelve hours to enjoy it, and now you're already back at it, and you still found time to come on this show. So for that, I as always, I appreciate you very much. Thanks very much for doing that. Have a great week, and good luck this weekend.
Thank you, Jim. I appreciate you having me on. We'll talk to you soon. And now a message from Discover about rewards. If you're a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that is useful, you know, like cashback match. Discover matches all the cash back that you have earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations do apply. So why don't we wade into Black Monday really quickly? It's a real thing. The day after the NFL regular season ends, a bunch of dudes are immediately told to hit the bricks and don't let the door hit you in the ass. It happens every single year at this time. In fact, this year it even happened a little bit early. The Broncos fired Vic Fangio yesterday. Then the Vikings fired Mike Zimmer and GM Rick Spielman this morning. I'm not surprised by that, but I hate to see that. I hate to see either one, in fact, both of them lose their jobs. Now, it's not a huge surprise that Zimmer got fired. It was pretty clear that he was coaching for his job this season And then they miss the playoffs, which means we're going to miss out on a head coach who drops ice-cold bombs like this. Do you think you want to get a look at Mond next week? Not particularly. Mike, why don't you want to get a look at him? I see him every day. Ice! That I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss that a lot. I hope somebody brings this guy back in stat. I hope that Zim doesn't want time off. I hope he gets another opportunity. I hope somebody brings him in stat. And if they can't bring him in, or he doesn't get the opportunity, or maybe he wants some time off and he wants to kind of reset himself, just make sure you put a microphone in his face every single week. I want him dropping that fire on backup quarterbacks. I want him calling his old boss, Bobby Petrino, a, quote, gutless bastard. You bastards! And a, quote, gutless MF. I'll tell you something else. If I'm Kirk Cousins, I'm starting to sweat right about now. Are the new GM and head coach going to want to keep him around? Not so sure about that. However, the firings did not stop with Zimmerman and Spielman. That was quickly followed by Chicago blowing out Matt Nagy and GM Ryan Pace. So you've got five dudes fired in a matter of hours. In other words, if that morning newscaster who roasted Doug Collins was still on the air, or if he is, in fact, still on the air, he'd be needing some ice in ibuprofen for his vocal cords. If you're getting ready for work right now, then you're probably not Doug Collins. Cold-blooded. That dude was going to need help from Alec Baldwin. Hit the bricks, pal! And they both needed backup from Sid the Kid. Pack your bags. Hey, listen. The Bears' firings were much less of a shock than the Vikings. Like, if you thought that Mike Zimmer was coaching for his job, that Matt Nagy was coaching for, well, I don't know what the hell that guy was coaching for. The question about Nagy wasn't whether he was going to come back next season. It was, why wasn't he fired in season? Or why wasn't he fired before the season? I mean, what an absolutely brutal fall from grace for this guy. He goes 12-4 and four in his first season and then spends the entire offseason freaking out about his kicker situation. Like that was the problem with the team. Then he proceeds to puke all over himself for the next three seasons. Terrible calls, 
Terrible offensive development. Terrible everything. I mean, not a surprise at all. The only surprise was that it didn't happen much sooner. But then came the actual surprise. The Miami Dolphins issue a statement that opens with, and I quote, The Miami Dolphins announced today that head coach Brian Flores has been relieved on his duties. End quote. Right. A typo in the statement. They wrote that he had been, quote, relieved on his duties. Not relieved of his duties. I'm not going to say how to run your organization, but if you're going to issue a statement about firing a head coach, I don't know, maybe you proofread the very first sentence. And honestly, right about now, I'm guessing Brian Flores probably does feel like he's been relieved on. Because that's a wild move. I'm not sure what's crazier. Brian Flores getting fired today or Joe Judge not getting fired today. If teams are firing guys like Brian Flores, let me repeat this. If teams are firing guys like Brian Flores, how the hell are the Giants justifying not firing Joe Judge? Like, I want to unpack that a hell of a lot more. But Joe Judge, he's got to be the most relieved human in America right now. I know he's the luckiest human in America right now. Not just because he still has a gig, but because everybody is now going to be focused on why Flores was fired and not on why Judge hasn't been fired. Brian Flores went 10-6 and last year. He went 9-8 and this year. He won seven straight games this year. It was not that long ago that he was getting run as the possible coach of the year. And now he's getting run right out of the building. The only reason he didn't have a winning season was his first one, or the only season. And that's when the team was tanking. And he still found a way to win five games. He went 2-0 against Bill Belichick this season and got fired. Has that ever happened before? The guy went 2-0 against Bill Belichick and got fired. So over the last two years, there have been plenty of chances, chances for his team to quit. But they never did. They kept fighting for this guy, and he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for it. And for managing to keep things together when Tua could not stay on the field. And for dealing with the nonstop questions and controversy surrounding Deshaun Watson. Because the team owner would not let that story die. He did all of that. And instead of getting rewarded or thanked, he gets pink-slipped. And for who? For what? Is all of this for Jim Harbaugh? I mean, it's got to be that, right? That has to be what Stephen Ross is doing, right? And Michigan fan, you got to be sweating that right about now. Or then again, maybe not. Maybe you're also sick of Harbaugh. Like everybody else got sick of Harbaugh in every one of his previous stops after a few years. Because this hasn't been a few years at Michigan. This has been a long time. A lot more than a few years. So that's got to be the move, right? Ross has to be setting it up to make a move for a fellow Michigan man, right? And let's not get into that just yet. And I'm not going to be the person that takes Jim Harbaugh to the University of Michigan. I hope he stays there. He's a great coach. Right, he said it point blank. I'm not going to be the guy to do it. I'm not going to be the guy to do it. But you are the guy who just fired Brian Flores. So if not for Harbaugh, for who? For what? 
I mean, if you're going to fire a guy like Brian Flores, you better have somebody better lined up, right? You can't just fire this guy without having an idea where you're going next. But apparently it's not Harbaugh. He just said, I'm not going to be the guy to take Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. I mean, are you painting yourself into the corner or does the billionaire have a better idea, a little something up his sleeve? It's going to be really interesting to see. He better have something lined up, either with Harbaugh or somebody else. There better be a plan and it better be worth it. Like, I know there were suggestions that Flores and the GM did not see eye to eye. But do you know how hard it is to win in the NFL? The greatest college coach of all time was with the Dolphins back in the day, and he sucked. The second greatest college coach of this era just set an entire organization on fire and didn't make it through his entire first year. It's really hard to win football games in the NFL. The Dolphins of all organizations should know that. They've had seven winning years in the last 20, and Brian Flores had two of them, and they just fired the guy. So I can't wait to see what their plan is. Should be really interesting. So does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for all the good stuff. Well, let me tell you about a very simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without all that hassle I'm talking about, and it's a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So, you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the very best part... There is no annual contract, so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. Jeff Chidiha is my guest. Jeff, good to have you back. How are you? I'm good, man. How you doing, Jim? Good, dude. Good. Great to hear your voice. Great to have you back. All right, so let me pick my spots here. There's obviously a ton, Jeff, to talk about coming off the weekend and going into the upcoming weekend, but we got to start with last night's game, Chargers-Raiders. What did you make of how that whole thing unfolded, and have you ever seen anything quite like that? Yeah, I haven't, but it was great for the NFL. It was great theater. Uh, personally, I sat there watching into that game. I was texting with some friends of mine, and I said, Raiders are running out the clock. I mean, they're going to take the tie. Nothing to lose here. They're in the playoffs. And all of a sudden, Brandon Staley does what Brandon Staley does, takes a timeout, um, kick the field goal game over. I know he's taking a ton of heat, and I have to say that I'm on that on that bandwagon. I, I feel like he's – I understand what he's trying to do with the, uh, the Chargers this year. Um, a little too aggressive for my taste, but I also want to give a lot of love to the Raiders, man. It's like I've said all year long, I live in Kansas City – People always talk crap about them, and I said, this team's not going to fall apart. Whatever they go through, they're different tone to them, and they showed out. So, so congrats to them. We're talking to Jeff Shadiha. You know, there's a lot in there in that response that I want to get to. But for the Raiders, given how their games, Jeff, went against Kansas City this year, how big of a difference was it to go from facing Kansas City to facing Cincinnati, and was that part of their mindset? You know, it might have been. Uh, I didn't think about that aspect of it, but it's certainly a better setup for them. Uh, now, the Bengals did give the Chiefs all they could handle and beat them. But, yeah, part of me with the Raiders playing the Chiefs uh, both games this season, I thought there was a stubbornness. I think they were so unwilling to, 
to change their approach. The approach has worked for other teams playing the Chiefs this year defensively as far as slowing them down. But I think more so, I think it's just about, I think they wanted to go into the playoffs with some momentum and the belief that they can win games and, and, and that they continue to do what they've been doing, which is playing hard, uh, finding ways to win, playing with toughness. Uh, I give that head coach, Rich Biasucci, a, a ton of credit because that team easily could have fallen apart. Jeff Chidiha is joining us, you know, based on who you've spoken to and based on what you see. How do you think that plays out? I mean, still, lots of amazing opportunities in front of them. But in terms of him as a potential long-term or permanent head coach, how much of a shot would you give him? Right now, probably 10%. Mm. You know, I think it's a lot of big names going to be out there in the market. And as good of a job as he's done, I think you'd have a hard time finding a lot of interim coaches in this league in the last decade who've done well when they've gotten a job full-time. I mean, the list is pretty pretty short. And so uh, I do believe that they'll probably make a run at Jim Harbaugh, and he's tight with Mark Davis, the owner there. Um, there's plenty of guys out there from the Kellen Moores, the Eric Bieniemies, the Byron Lefwiches. There's a ton of coaches out there who've been waiting for the opportunity. But, um, yeah, I think that it's going to be tough to get that job unless he just ends up holding the Lombardi Trophy in February. Mm. Jeff Chidiha joining us. All right, so Kansas City had manhandled the Raiders twice this season, and we talked about that. In terms of their defense, they had a tough time to end the season, the regular season, but they played much better of late. When you look at Kansas City and you look at them defensively, what kind of thoughts do you have right now? I have questions, and I had questions when they were on that eight-game winning streak and they were playing so well because they didn't see Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. They saw Dallas, but... Dallas didn't have Amari Cooper. CeeDee Lamb got hurt in the game. Dak was, you know, in that slump that he'd been in. And so, really, they'd beaten up on a lot of teams like Denver with Teddy Bridgewater, the Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger, uh, the Raiders, obviously. And so, I wanted to see them against a really good offense. And when they saw the Bengals, it was a different story. And when they saw Denver on, on Saturday, Drew Locke, it was a different story. So, my concern there is that if they're not – if Chris Jones – He's been playing out of his mind. That defense is a, is, is a different defense. And so he's the key for everything there. When he moved the defensive tackle, they got better. When he hasn't been making a ton of havoc, uh, they haven't been good. So they got to get him going for the postseason. Right. So what about the other side of the ball? Earlier this season, Patrick Mahomes did not look anything like Patrick Mahomes when it came to turnovers. Now he's got one interception in his last five games. So what was happening earlier in the season, and what do you think has changed since then for him? Well, I think what changed was that teams were, were obviously taking away the deep stuff, playing a lot of too high safeties. Um, that's why I was laughing with the Raiders were doing because I said uh, their, their defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, had a, he was too high. He didn't have a too high approach. He was just too high in how he defended them because they were scoring a lot of points against, against that defense. And I think Patrick Mahomes realized, let me take what people give me. Let me throw the ball to players like Byron Pringle and McCole Hardman and Marcus Robinson and Daryl Williams and check downs. And, and he got comfortable with that. Uh, he wants to be an aggressive quarterback going down the field, uh, making big plays. Uh, but now he's found a way to accept driving the football. The only thing I'll say about that is what made them special was that quick strike ability. And without that, they aren't as imposing to opponents as they would have been in previous years. Right. Jeff Chidiha joining us. All right, so I had Bill's safety, Jordan Poyer, as I mentioned on the program last hour. You know, Buffalo, Jeff, took a lot of heat earlier this season when they were losing to the Colts, the Pats, the Bucks. How do the Bills look to you right now? I'm a big fan of the Bills right now. And it goes back to 
watching them play against Tampa in the second half of that game, they lost in overtime when Brady hit Rashad Perryman for a game-winning touchdown pass. And they were getting their butts kicked. They were down 17 points. Uh, Josh Allen was getting blitzed like crazy. And somehow, some way, he found a way to will that team back into that game. He ran for 100 yards. He threw for 300. And I thought this, that could be a turning point for them. And ever since that point, a game in which they didn't hand the ball to the running back once in the first half, they've rediscovered the power of the running game. They've gotten Devin Singletary more carries. And Josh Allen has become uh, you know, a, a, a more consistent player. He had one tough game against um, a, a three-interception game a couple weeks ago. But overall, you go into New England and you throw for 300 yards, three, three touchdowns and no interceptions. That tells me you're on the right track. So I like where they're going right now with what they're doing offensively. I do too. Now you mentioned Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has won seven of their last eight, right? So normally when you see a run like that, you think that's a team that's peaking at just the right time. But does it feel that way to you with the Bucks? It doesn't. And as much as I'm a Tom Brady fan, I've known him for a couple of decades. He's a Michigan guy like me. Um, if he won the championship this year with what they've been going through, that would be his greatest feat um, because you lose Chris Godwin, you know, Leonard Fournette's banged up. He, I think the key to his success in Tampa and late in New England was he was playing with players he trusted. And now he's going to be throwing the football and relying on people he hasn't trusted as much as the Godwins, the Fournettes, the Mike Edmonds. I know Fournette's going to be back in it. And so it, it's just going to be a lot harder. Uh, and when you have what happened with Antonio Brown with that whole strip show meltdown, you know, whatever it was, um, I, I think that kind of drama at this point in the season has a has a ripple effect on the team. And they spent a week talking about that, and they can say what they want to, but it affects you. It affects your locker room. And so there are other teams out there who are just as good as, as Tampa, and I think those teams are probably more mentally stable right now than Tampa is. So, Jeff, quick sidebar. You mentioned the fact you're a good Michigan man. How about Jim Harbaugh? Like, what's your gut tell you? What do you think that he wants at this point in his career? What do you think that he does? I think he wants his money back. Right. <laughs> he wants that money. <laughs> he took a, took, a, took a big pay cut last year when he was 2-4. and four. So I think more than anything, uh, you know, I, I think he'll listen to overtures from the NFL. I think he'll enjoy the victory lap he's been on, even though they had a tough loss to Georgia. Uh, he did a great job with that program, turning it around this year and getting into the Big Ten championship and the college football playoffs, but I think first and foremost he wants to be paid. Anytime you see uh, what they're paying a coach in Michigan State, what they're paying the coach in Penn State, what uh, the coach from Oklahoma just got to go to USC, uh, that kind of money, I guarantee you Jim Harbaugh is saying, I want, a, I want a piece of that. It's more anything else, I think he's going to stay at Michigan, but he's going to find a way to get into that back into that high upper echelon salary range. Hey, listen, I'm not on the inside, but it seems to me that there's <laughs> no doubt in my mind Michigan will give him that money back. They don't want to lose <laughs> him at this point, right? I mean, I, I guess the better question would be, is that all it would take to get him to stay at Michigan, just getting that money back? I believe it would. I believe it would. I, I think that – I think. The, uh, let me put it this way. The only way Jim Harbaugh is going to come back to the NFL, if he's able to get the kind of deal that – Pete Carroll has the kind of deal that Andy Reid has where you have a, a GM working with you alongside you, who you trust, who you're compatible with, who is going to basically do your bidding, like, like Belichick has had in New England. And so I don't see him coming back. People mentioned Jacksonville, where Trent Balky's already the GM who he sparred with for years in San Francisco. I don't see him going back for a structure like that. 
Uh, every college football coach of his level, of his caliber, is a god on campus. I think that goes a long way towards making you feel good about life as long as you get that money to go along with it. Jeff Chidiha joining me for a few more moments. All right, Jeff, what about given the way yesterday's game ended, I'm talking about the Rams and the Niners. Which of these two teams would scare you more as an opponent, the Rams or the Niners right now? You know, the, the, the Niners are, are are scary just because they've been in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and they've got some things that, like like Nick Bosa, like George Kittle, like Debo Samuel, guys who can make a lot of plays. But I feel like the Rams, when they're right, um, they're as dangerous as any team in the NFL. And the real question, even though they lost that game yesterday, I think they showed a level of physicality that had been lacking in previous games they've played. It's no secret that they get pushed around by, by teams like Tennessee, like the 49ers. And even though they gave up a big lead, I still feel like when they get it going and Stafford is, is on his game and not turning the ball over, they can beat anybody. So I go with the Rams. So I got to ask you that. Having said that, as good as the Niners were in that comeback and as good as Jimmy G was, and he did step up, he clutched up, and you know he's not right physically, how do you like that matchup of Garoppolo going up against that Dallas defense? Well, I tell you, you watch Michael Parsons up close and personal. Yeah. And he's he's as close as, as you might get to you know a, a young Lawrence Taylor in this league so in terms of the kind of havoc he can create. That's a great matchup, and I, I feel like if the Niners can run the football, they can create some issues for them because Dallas is really built more for for speed and 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 I don't want to say they're a finesse defense, but they aren't. They want to get after the quarterback. They want to get a lead and then let those guys like Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory, Michael Parsons just hunt. And so the Niners can run the football effectively. Uh, it's a different story. But if they can't, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's going to be running for his life. Right. And that, 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 <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. And you can yeah. you can run on Dallas. You simply yeah. can run on Dallas. I agree with you. But that, that's going to be something. One last thought, and you've been really good good on all this stuff and with your time. It was not that long ago, Jeff, that the Cardinals had the best record in the NFC. Do you have a pretty accurate read on them going into the postseason, or is this still a totally wide-open question? I, I don't. I don't. They're mystifying. I saw them in person in Dallas a couple weeks ago, and I was really impressed by how they played, controlled the game up 22-7, were all over Dak Prescott shutting down the Cowboys' run game, and then they come back and lay an egg against the Seattle team that has nothing to play for, give up almost 200 yards rushing, which has been in the Achilles Hill for them all year long. Um, I, I think they have a lot of resilience to them because you look at the way they played when Kyler Murray went down and you look at the 7-0 start and they won a couple of games and they've had a lot of COVID issues and injuries. But without DeAndre Hopkins there, that, that that's a big loss. And I think it shows up when they need to make a clutch play and make things happen. Even in Kyler Murray's body language, uh, there's something that's a little bit off there. So uh, there's been a lot of pressure on him to make a lot of plays and some of the other guys in that supporting cast because uh, they cannot afford to give up 190 yards rushing to any of these teams because they will lose in a hurry. I think that's really interesting what you just said about Kyler's body language because I love the guy. I mean, I'm an enormous Kyler Murray guy. I love the guy. But i got to be honest, I have not loved his body language the last few weeks. I yeah. think it's interesting that you said that. What do you make of it when you see that? I think it's a, a young quarterback who is super talented, who's used to doing whatever he wants to do on the field, uh, and and has really had a lot of success. He would have been the MVP if he had stayed healthy and stayed on the track he was, the trajectory he was on when this year started. Um, and I think he's just not used to having – 
having to struggle. And, and so in, in some ways it reminds a little bit of Cam Newton. And I don't know if it's necessarily uh, – it's not a bad thing, so to speak. I think it's more of a – he doesn't understand how that projects to everybody else. I think he's frustrated. He wants to do well. But he, that that look he can have that, 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 that in his eyes and his slumped shoulders – that, that that goes a long way towards affecting people around you. And when you're a young quarterback, you got you got to understand that, that that can happen. Hmm. He is an NFL.com senior columnist. He is an NFL Network on-air talent. He has won an Emmy, a Sports Emmy Award winner, good friend of the program, a panelist from our daily TV show way back in the day. Jeff, good to have you back. I really appreciate you. Thanks so much. Hey, always a pleasure, man. Happy New Year. The real Raider Mike. Let's go there right now, wherever he is. Mike, what's going on, brother? Ben Smack. Thanks for taking the call, buddy. Hey, you guys are looking for a third interview. Um, why don't you try Joey Bosa? Uh, he's not doing anything today except uh, taking his two tackles and one sack back to his couch for the winter uh, where you can curl up and watch our quarterback on uh, TV. Uh, you know, Victory Monday here, Jim, how sweet it is, you know, to finally here, – here I am at the completion of a season, and I'm watching other mutt teams clean their house by running their retread coaches and starting dissecting their draft positions on, on, on their geek freaking draft engines. You know, last night – Man, what a game. Our football team lived up to that Raider on the side of their helmet. Jim, going into week 14, let's look back here. This team had like a 9% probability of making the playoffs. They won their final four games by a total of 12 points, of the lowest winning margin in NFL history for a team to win it for last four down the stretch. And last night, you know, they're playing the team. i, I, I got to give it to them. The Bolts are better than them, and their quarterback is far better. That guy's like a young Jim Kelly, but the Raiders, they took care of town business, man. I am so impressed with this team. I'm more proud of this team than any Raider team in history. I swear, man. And, and, and last night, you know, I haven't seen a game like that since the 1981 Bolts Dolphins playoff matchup. You know, and it wasn't no friggin' fluke, man. The Raiders, they played, they stuck to the formula, Jim. A balanced running attack. You know, they looked like they were getting stuffed on the run, but Josh Jacobs led an attack that had 174 freaking yards. Derek Carr, 8 for 17 on third downs. A 38-minute time of possession. You could run on the Bolts, man. This is a shame offensive pattern, Jim, that they did Indy with. And our quarterback hung in there again and got the game into our kicker's hands late. And Carlson, man, this, this guy's ice. Nine of nine on lead-changing field goals with less than two minutes to go in the fourth quarter or OT if you need them. Another NFL single-season record. And, you know, I, I can't end the call without a hat tip to the boy wonder, uh, Brandon Staley. You know, Jim, I go back way over the years, and I faced some pretty arrogant a-hole coaches in my time. Marty Schottenheimer, Rat Shanahan, but none of those dudes were ever stupid enough to go for a fourth down on their own 18-yard line. You know, this kid wants to com- convey a-, a perception of arrogance, yet he coached his team and his young version of Jim Kelly straight out of the playoffs. I mean, I'm liking the fifth seed, Jim. We got business to settle in Stinty, and-, and I think we can beat that team. And if the Bills Mafia takes care of business, we're going to be in Nashville the week after that. And we match up very well with the Titans. We're still playing with house money, my man. Raider Nation, baby. Raider Mike, bring up the wind. Oh, you rock that damn call. Let's go to Omaha, Nebraska. Kathleen. Hey, Kathleen, how are you? 
if the Chargers keep wasting Justin's career like they have the first two years, then he is going to have to go elsewhere when the time comes. I don't want to see the years go by for him like they have for Aaron. I've seen the look. I've seen so many times on Aaron's face on Justin's. There goes another year. Now, Justin is younger than Aaron, but those years can go by in a flash. And Aaron, if he loses in the NFC Championship game again, it's not his fault. It's going to be the defense. It's always the defense. They can't never get it done, and yet Aaron gets all the blame. It's like, what about them getting some of the blame? Don't put it solely on him. And when, if that happens then I have no choice but to turn to Avatar because they are the only band that can cool my rage of another year of Aaron's career gone. You know what I have to say to that, Kathleen? Rack her! Kathleen in Omaha. I got news for you. Part of me wants to say she knows what she's talking about. Good night now!